It's good. You can take a seat. Um, we're going to head into the message now, and then we're keeping going with this series um, called The Way, going through the way of Jesus, and, and we're actually almost coming to the end. We've been in this for since the start of last year, almost kind of in, in chunks, and this is the third last one. So we kind of finish off this, and then we'll kind of head into Easter. Um, and as we've been going through, if you're just sort of new and, and just joining us, we've been saying that Jesus calls us not just to believe in him and in, like believe facts about him, but actually to trust him and, and follow him. And he actually shows us the way to live life truly as a human being, the way to true type of life, the way that God's called us to live in, in his kingdom. And um, he, he teaches this, all the way through, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom, but particularly the Sermon on the Mount, there's this kind of almost focused package of, of some of the key teachings of what it looks like. And we've been sort of tracking through that. Um, and in some ways, what we're kind of doing is almost summarizing it a bit. Like last week, um, one author sort of talks about, last week we talked about judgment and not judging. And he kind of said, Jesus is kind of summarizing one of the first chapters, Matthew 5, about God's mercy and having a heart of mercy and, and love. Um, and this week, this author sort of said, well, this sort of section we're going to look at today is almost summarizing chapter 6, which is all about faith and trusting God as a father. Um, if you remember, we talked about not, not trusting in reputation or not trusting in riches or not even worrying, that we have no need to worry if God's our father and he cares about the birds, he cares about the flowers, he cares about us. Jesus is kind of coming back to that theme as he finishes off. And he starts to talk about requests. I'm actually going to look at some verses. We looked at similar verses in the prayer series. So we're kind of talking about prayer tonight, um, but, but a bit more specifically in terms of asking God for things or making requests. And Jesus, again, it's a similar passage to what we looked at in, in the prayer series, but we're going to kind of revisit it um, in the context of this sermon that he's giving and kind of um, unpack it and see what it means for us. But the interesting thing, just thinking about this, I don't know if this is like an Australian thing or a, or a Western thing or like a human thing, but I think in general, people like, don't really like asking for stuff or don't really like asking for help. I can, even just now, I'm just remembering when, when, you're, when I was a kid, I mean, I was a pretty shy kid, but if you have to go up to like, someone at the counter and ask for something or ask for help, like, I'd be nervous about that. Or like, maybe you, even just with your friends or with your family, like, you, you don't really want to have to ask them for something. And if you do, it's kind of like, oh, I'm really sorry, like, I don't want to bother you, but could, could you do that? Like, we kind of feel bad about asking, like, like it, there's something wrong about it. And I think sometimes so much so we don't, we try really hard not to ask. Like instead of asking, we say other things. Like we say, hey, um, do you want to clean up the dishes? Like, like, do you feel like it? Like, <laughs> instead of just saying like, can you clean the dishes? Like we don't ask. Or we, or we sort of say, um, hey, are you doing anything tomorrow? Like I've got this flight and I, and I really need to get to the airport. Like are you are you free? Like, <laughs> instead of just saying, hey, can you give me a lift to the airport? Like, we kind of avoid asking often because it kind of feels wrong or, like, it's a bit awkward or, like... And, and sometimes it's because asking is quite powerful. Like, you know, when you've been asked to do something, sometimes it's hard to say no. There's a, there's a power to someone asking, making requests. But in this, Jesus basically says our response to God, he gives this great encouragement to ask God. For, th for things that we need, to come to him and request. This is what he says. You've heard this before probably, but just let's look at this with fresh eyes because it's profound what Jesus says. He says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Like, I don't really need to teach that. Right? Like, it's very simple. 
what he's saying. Like this great encouragement, ask, pray, and ask God for what you need, and those who ask, receive. It's the correspondence. Seeking will find. Knocking, the door will open. There's this, this great encouragement and invitation to pray and ask. And he doesn't just leave it there. He sort of builds on that and says it again. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. He says the same thing twice, a very simple statement. It's not hard to understand. It's just hard to believe. It requires faith to believe that actually God is, is giving us a promise that we can come to him and ask and, and that he hears and he responds. This is how one author, um, Del Bruner, says this, the promises are astonishingly open-ended. Whenever this passage is read with simple faith, it will take one's breath away. Six different times, in six different ways, Jesus almost begs us to pray and promises solemnly that simple asking receives, simple seeking finds, simple knocking opens. It's not complex. It requires faith. But it's actually very simple. And, and what he's really saying is that this is a generous promise, that actually Jesus is giving great encouragement to pray, to come, to ask God for what we need. And, and we might be kind of thinking, like, that sounds great, but, like, it doesn't work. <laughs> like, well, I've tried that. Like, I've asked for, like, a Mercedes, and I didn't get one. Or, like, I've asked for this, and it doesn't work. And, and, and like, like, look, I'll test it now. I asked for this, nothing there. Like, 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 we might sort of scoff at that almost. But, but again, Jesus is not giving, like, a formula. Um, it's not like a machine that just, like, correspond like like you put the put the coin in the vending machine you get a coke like that's not what he's talking about like he's still talking about a relationship with the father which we're going to talk about more soon but but he it's interesting that jesus still gives this really strong encouragement that almost in a sense could be misunderstood that he's saying that you can just ask for anything and, and expect it but the thing is that's not our problem like our problem is not and jesus knows this our problem is not that we're asking god for all kinds of things that are bad for us or that are just not really right to ask for, that are not really in line with what he wants. That's not the problem. The problem is that we're often unwilling or we don't think to ask. We're actually not asking confidently or eagerly enough. Um, N.T. Wright, Tom Wright says it this way, for most of us, the problem is not that we are too eager to ask for the wrong things. The problem is that we are not nearly eager enough to ask for the right things. Again, when we talked about this in the prayer series, we said Jesus just gives an overwhelming encouragement to pray, that God wants us to bring requests to him, that he's ready and eager and maybe more eager than we realize. And often maybe we don't because we think that he's not or we think that it won't work. But Jesus is saying, no, it's ask, come, seek. There will be a corresponding response. There will be a reward to God. He's encouraging them strongly with a generous promise and it's interesting that that i don't know if, if you think about in your own life but i find this often even just this afternoon like like an issue happens the thing the default sort of thing is i don't know worry get frustrated get confused try and figure out a solution maybe complain to some people like and then after a while it's like oh i actually haven't talked to god about this <laughs> like i didn't ask god actually i could just ask him to help or at least just start with that. Like, and, or, or maybe sometimes we have an issue or a need and, and we even come to prayer, but we 
we'll just express our heart to God, which again is good. We, we sort of say, God, I've got this person at work who's just really hard to deal with and it's just so difficult and I just don't know what to do. And that's, that's fine. But sometimes we don't actually ask God to come and intervene and help. Actually, Father, would you give me love for this person at work? Would you give me patience for this person at work? Like actually articulate to God the thing that we need and actually ask him to provide it. Um, and so Jesus knows this and he's giving this encouragement to ask, knowing that his Father is ready and willing to give. He knows what we need before we ask. He said that in Matthew 6, but he still invites us to ask, to come to him with requests. There's this guy, um, I've watched a couple of his TED Talks. He's, he's a pretty cool guy. His name is Yah, I think, J-I-A. And he has this cool story because he, um, he basically wanted to start a company and, and become an entrepreneur. And he, he sort of started off, but then he realized that he had this deep fear of rejection. Um, and, and part of, I suppose, setting out a business and a company is take this a risk, and it requires asking people for help um, in, in business deals or in different things. Or he, needed, he realized he needed to ask for stuff a lot, um, but he realized he had this great fear of rejection, so he would ask, and he, or he wouldn't be able to ask, or he would, and he'd kind of back down and, and freak out. And, and he realized that this issue needs to be dealt with, otherwise I'm not going to be able to fulfill this, this desire to build this company. So he discovered this thing called rejection therapy, um, and basically created his own course where he decided he was going to go out for 100 days and get rejected every day as, as a way to overcome the fear of rejection. So basically, he, he like starts to think of all these things he could ask random people where they'll probably most likely say no. And that's kind of the point. Uh, the first day, he, he asks a random guy if he could borrow 100 bucks. Um, one, I, one I found about last night was awesome. He, he went to like... I don't know where it was. It was probably in America, but like equivalent of like McDonald's or something. And he asked for bur- a burger refill. He said, can, I, can you refill my burger? <laughs> and like, the guy's like, no. <laughs> like, like, just like random things that, that, he, that he'll probably get rejected for. And he just, he just started thinking of all these things. But then, then he tells the story and he says, well, I like all these things I did. I went and like knocked on a random stranger's door and asked if I could play soccer in their backyard. I... I, he said that he, he went to, like, the airline host, like, as he was waiting to board the plane and asked if he could do the safety announcement on the plane. <laughs> and he asked a cop if he could drive his car for a bit. Um, I think he even asked a guy who's a pilot if he could fly his plane. Like, all these things. But the interesting thing is all those people said yes. They, like, they, they, he asked them, and he, they said, yeah, you can do the safety briefing on the plane. Like, like... <laughs> And the cop said, yeah, you can sit in my car. Like, the guy let him play soccer in his backyard. He's got, like, a picture of it and everything. Like, and, and it was 100 days. And I read this this morning. Actually, 51 out of the 100 days, he got a yes. Like, he's trying to get rejected. And it wasn't necessarily straight out yes. It might have been, like, a conversation that kind of changed a little bit. But, but people were still willing to help and, and try, at least, to grant what he'd asked for. And these are, like, random strangers on the street. And he's trying to get rejected. And people said yes. And then his message is kind of like, ask people for stuff because they might be more ready and willing to help and to give than you realize. And that's strangers. Jesus, though, uses an illustration of parents and and family. Because like strangers, right, you'd expect that they wouldn't give, but he's saying actually they they do. Jesus says actually fathers and, and, and mothers and parents actually want to give and are are ready and eager to give. He says this in Matthew 7, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? 
or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. Jesus says, actually, think about like the, what, what parents are generally like. And again, no parent is perfect, and, and there, there are parents that, that sadly fail and have, have big mistakes. But, but I think in general, the heart of a parent um, is, is to give good things to their kid. Um, maybe sometimes they're not able to do that because they, there's, there's problems and issues. Or, but, but if they could, they would want to. And many pe- parents, like many, many people's experiences, actually, yeah, my parents did good things for me. And they, they wanted good for me. They, they didn't give me bad things when I asked for good things. And he's, but he's speaking this to, to fathers, people who have experienced that, who say, actually, yeah, I love my kids and I, and I want good things for them. And Jesus is saying, well, if that's the case, that that's what people, like parents are like, they want good things for their kids. This, this other guy is saying, actually, even strangers will grant requests. Jesus then takes that like, to the extreme and says, well, how much more will your Father in heaven be ready and willing to grant requests? He says this in Matthew 7, 1, if you then, though you are evil, <laughs> he says he knows that we've got problems, that, that we're weak, that we have sin. Though, though all of that, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Like, like a random stranger on the street who doesn't care about you at all like, might answer this guy's request. Uh, a father who, who loves their kids, yeah, is going to answer a request. The perfect father who made us and loves us and cares for us, like how much more eager and ready and willing is he to give good things to those who ask him. James says it about this, about God in this. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God is perfectly good. And we, we, we there's, there's, there's those who have had bad experience with fathers and, and, and that has not been helpful reflection of God the Father. But God the Father is the perfect Father who's, who's always good who doesn't change. He doesn't fly off the rails at one, one day. He doesn't like, he's not affected by circumstances. He is stable and consistent and, and faithful and pure and good. And his heart is towards us as a father. And a father's heart is someone who generates and gives and supports and sustains life and growth. Like that's what a father is. And Jesus is saying that's what God is like. He's father. He's, he's more ready and willing and eager to answer than we actually think. He's saying that actually we have a generous Father. And Jesus knows this. He, 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 he's in this intimate relationship with the Father, and He's telling His disciples, and He's telling us, this is what He's like. Like, He is more eager than you realize. He is more ready and generous than you may think. It's not, it's not that our prayers are great, and we kind of we put the confidence in our prayers. We put the confidence in the fact that He's generous, and He's faithful, and He's good. And he's ready and willing to hear us. But you might still think, well, yeah, that's great. But God's like got billions and billions of kids, right? Like, like in this big family, like he probably doesn't have that much time for me. Or he's, there's all these things going on in the world. There's way bigger issues. And God's not really concerned about my little problems and my little, little issues. And, and I should just really deal with it myself. But, but that's, not, that's not what he's like. He's, he's God. He's not limited in that way. This is another quote um, that d- describes this. Tom Wright says, if he is a father, let's treat him as a father, not a bureaucrat or a dictator who wouldn't want to be bothered with our trivial and irrelevant concerns. It's not like God's really busy at the, at the office and we're nagging him and, and, and he just doesn't have time for us. It's up to him to decide 
if he's too busy for us. The fact that there may be war going on in one country, a famine somewhere else, earthquakes, tragic accidents, murder and pillage all over the place, and that he's grieving over all of them. This might be a problem for a high-ranking authority at the United Nations, but it is no problem whatever for our loving Father. Just the fact that there's all this stuff going on in the world, that, yeah, God's attentive to it, but he still has time for us. He's not time poor. He has an abundance, and he's, he has an abundance of attention for us. When he says he's still got time, space, and love to spare for us, we should take him at his word. Like, like he has time and attention for us. When we come to him with, with our requests, with our issues and problems, like he is ready and willing to listen and answer. He has time and attention. He's not busy. He's not bothered. He actually wants us to come to him. He, he even, even grieved if, he, if we don't, if we just go and do it ourselves. Like that is more likely to grieve him than, him than us coming to him and just asking him. So you see, he's a generous father. But as well, this might start to bring up questions then. You might say, well, yes, that's, that's all good and, and true and that's fine. But what about the, the things that I've asked for that are good and he didn't answer? Like, what about the, the things that seem completely right and in line with his will and he didn't come through? And we really thought he would and it seems like he didn't. What about the times when, we, when, when actually he's a father and he's supposed to be with us and close to us, but it doesn't feel like he is? He feels distant. And that, that concept of, and, and, and reality of unanswered prayer, or actually, well, actually most of us have probably had an experience where we've prayed and really felt like this is something God should come through on, and we feel like he doesn't. And we think, well, how does that work? Like we can't, and maybe even think, well, prayer doesn't work. We tried it, and it, and it failed. Like, and, and the reality is that's a painful thing. And there's, there's grief, and there's, there's difficulty and heartache in that that, that is, is rightly God invites us to express that to him and journey through with him. And there's a multitude of possible reasons why that might happen. And ultimately, in some ways, it's a mystery. But just one, one sort of comment on that today is that one thing that helps with that, I think, is this kind of paradigm or approach to prayer that is relational, that is in the context of a relationship with a father. So if we approach prayer like a, like a vending machine or like a formula or like a, there's a force and we just got to get the code right and doesn't, it doesn't seem to work, we're like, oh, we chuck it out, it doesn't work. But it's like, that's not the paradigm. That's not how Jesus presents prayer. Jesus presents prayer as children coming to a father, a good and generous father and asking for requests. And the good and generous father is ready and willing to grant the requests like any good father would be. But at the same time, any good father knows that sometimes the things that kids ask for are not the best thing for them. That actually, yeah, a kid wants ice cream for dessert. Yes, awesome, have ice cream for dessert. A kid wants ice cream for breakfast. Like, okay, maybe one day, but like not every day. <laughs> like, like that's, it's a, ice cream's good, but ice cream for breakfast every day is, that's actually going to be damaging for your health. It's actually not good. But the kid perhaps has no concept of that. The kid thinks, well, my dad doesn't care about me. He's not giving me ice cream for breakfast. It's like, and the father loves him and, and, has, and in love may not grant that request. Still hears him, still is with him. But actually, when you're a kid, you don't know about the world. You don't know about health. You don't know about nutrition. You don't know about all the issues that are going on. You're, like, you, you're just naive and unaware. And actually, your father knows. 
and, and in love might actually say, actually, no, that's not the best thing right now. And if Jesus is saying, we're like kids, like we actually don't know like a lot of what's going on. Like God is God and he, he is over all the creation and he sees everything that's happening and he sees all of eternity and he, and he knows and he is good. And actually why something goes this way and doesn't go that way, maybe we don't know. But actually we can say, well, he's, he's father and we can trust him. And he is working for good even when it feels like he, he, he isn't. And, and maybe when it feels like he's absent, he can even be working for good in deep ways in us, even in the midst of that. That actually there's this trust that, that comes and asks him for what we need, but at the same time says, well, I trust you, that actually you'll do what's best, and I surrender and submit to you no matter what. And this is what Jesus experienced himself. Jesus, the, the son who trusts his father, on, on the night he's going to the cross, he prays that God would find another way. He said, God, would you take this cup from me? Would I, would I not have to die and face the cross? And he asks his father. But he also says, but not my will, yours be done. And he submits to his father. He knows that what his father's will is, is the best. And there's a submission and a trust. And, and the father's with him and walks through it. And that was the best thing. And that actually this, this relational paradigm of, of son and, and daughter and father actually has space for unanswered prayer. It actually, it actually provides, and, and at the same time provides a space to deal with it and walk through it with him. We actually talk to him about it, actually stay connected to him in the midst of it. And again, that's a, that's a whole big, big topic that we can't get into a lot tonight. But, but it, that's the sort of picture to have, a, a child with a, with a father who's good and we trust him, even when maybe our experience says different. We trust and put our faith in him in, in, in that um, in his word and in his faithfulness. So we're saying that, that this is this generous promise to, to ask, to pray. A generous father who loves us and will do what's good for us. At the same time, like, right, if, if, if God just did everything we asked him to, like, the world would be chaos. <laughs> like, like he, it's a good thing he didn't answer some of the prayers that maybe we prayed because he knows what's best and he's good. So then Jesus goes on from there and takes almost these two ideas and summarizes a response and in this response, he almost actually summarizes the sermon that he's given so far, and he always summarizes the whole Old Testament. Like, Jesus is really good at summarizing and making something simple. And he says this, So, in everything, do to others what would you, you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. He said, if you want to know how to live, God's, God's desire for humans and the way they treat each other, Jesus is saying we don't have to go and read all the rules and, and like make sure we're checking all the boxes. Like, like actually, it's way more simple than that. Just imagine what, what you would want if you were somebody else in their shoes and do that. Think, think about what they would like. Think about what you would like in a situation and do that for them. And actually, you'll find that that's love. And actually, if you live in love, you'll find that actually you're doing what God desires for humans in the, in the way they treat each other. Paul um, in Romans said it this way, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. God's heart and desire for us is to love each other. And actually, as we do that, we realize that we are fulfilling what he desires. What he's revealed is good for his, his creation and his people. And again, this is only possible by his spirit. We walk by his spirit. He shapes us and grows us. 
but actually calls us to enter into this and, and to live with this sort of generous disposition. And it's interesting. It's not, it's not don't do to others what you wouldn't want done to you because that's easier. <laughs> like, I don't want anyone to kill me, so don't kill anybody. Like, I don't want someone to steal my car, so don't steal someone else's car. Like, like, like I don't want to be ripped off, so don't rip other people. Like, and, and still good, but Jesus takes that to the next level of it's not just negative, don't do, it's do. It's imagine what someone else would like. Imagine what you would like if you were them and do that. Love, give generously. And imagine if everyone did that. Imagine if everyone lived that way in this close, intimate relationship with God, this loving, generous giving to others. And that's, that's God's desire for the world. That's, that's his picture of the kingdom and, and, and the new heavens and new earth, this, this community of love and generous self-giving. So you see, what he wants is to create a generous people. It's, it's this context, right, that if we are in this relationship with a loving, generous father who cares for us, who we can make requests of, who will meet our needs, then the response to that is to be generous, loving people who care and love each other. It's like, if, if he looks after us, then we actually don't really have to look after ourselves. We don't have to fight for what we need. We don't have to, like, put other people down to get to the top. Like, like we're okay. We're good if he loves us and he's with us. And therefore, we're actually free to live and reflect his life and his generosity to others. But again, this is only possible with that. Like, it's only possible with him. If we just go out and try and do this on ourselves, it won't work. It's simple, but it's hard. Dallas Willard says it this way, our confidence in God is the only thing that makes it possible to treat others as they should be treated. It's like if our confidence and security is in God, then we're in a position where we're able to love. We love Him first. And as we love Him, we love others. It's, it's Him that gives the power. It's the relationship with Him that gives the security that actually we're able to give of ourselves and actually put others before ourselves in that sense. Think of what we would want and give that to others. So it's creating a generous people. So as we kind of come to, to finish, I just want to give two really small applications that are, again, very simple. I feel like everything I'm saying today is just so simple. Like it's just not, doesn't require a stack of explanation, but, but requires faith. The, the issue is that we believe it. Like it's not just that we understand and say, yeah, that makes sense, but actually this is reality. Like this is what God is like. And I'm going to trust him and walk with him. I'm going to walk into this. So the first application, again, makes sense, is simply, well, sorry, we're saying this is, this is what it is in summary. The way of Jesus is to live as sons and daughters of a generous father, but live by faith, trusting him. And from that position, reflect his generous love to the world. Live a life of self-giving generosity, the same way the father lives a life of self-giving generosity, that we become his people who represent him and serve the world in that way. So first response is simply pray. <laughs> pray to your father. This, this week, when there's issues, when something comes up, the, 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 it take, take the first step of simply asking God for help. Realize he's, he's ready and willing and eager to give. He's there asking us to come to him. And again, this doesn't have to be sit down and pray for half an hour. This can be simply, Father, help God, I don't know what to do here. Would you give me wisdom? This could be God bless that person. 
God, give me faith just to trust you today. It could be a one-line sentence. Just ask all the time. Just cry out and bring requests to him. There's this great quote by William Temple. He says, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. Like when we ask God for things, we might find that eventually, actually, well, I prayed for this and then he came through. Like he did it. And, and actually we keep doing that. We realize, oh, actually he did this as well. Like, and, we, and we grow faith that actually he does hear. He does listen. He is ready and willing. And that builds faith that then we can ask for more. We ask for bigger things. We recognize that actually he cares about little things, but he invites us to ask for big things as well. So we grow in this, this posture of prayer. Secondly, as, as we kind of just apply from today, love each other. Again, it's so simple, right? Love people. It's good. Like, but this is cool, I think, because it's, it's, it's an invitation to creativity, to imagination, to not, not love as like a rule, like I need to love someone, but love creatively and imaginatively. Actually imagine what you would like people to do for you. Just think, what, what, what are the things that you would really like done for you today? Or how would you really like people to treat you today? What would you like them to say? What would you like them to, to do? How would you like them to behave? Creatively imagine that, but then take the first step and do that for them. Or maybe picture somebody else and think, well, if I was in their situation, if I was in their shoes, what would I really appreciate? What would really help me? What, what would I really like? And again, take the first step and do that for them. And again, we trust God and put confidence in God. But it's, this is so cool, I think. It's a creative, imaginative love that actually gives generously to others. It's a way of Jesus to live as sons and daughters of a generous father, reflecting his generous love back to the world. And as we've been going through, we're saying this is the way of Jesus. Like, this is not Jesus standing back and kind of just telling us what to do. Like, like, like... Even like what I'm doing right now, like teaching. It's not like go do this. It's like Jesus is doing it and we follow him. Like, like he's actively doing it. And when I was a teacher at school, we used to do something called modeling, which is you don't just tell the kids what to do, but you show them, you, you model it. So I would teach kids um, early in the term, especially preps, so you have to teach them how to go to school. So you say, this is what it looks like to sit and listen. Like, like you need to sit and listen to the teacher. Like, and, and I wouldn't just say that. I would then pretend to be a kid, and I would sit on the floor, and I'd say, this is what it looks like when you're sitting and listening. And they would watch me. And then I'd say, this is what it looks like when you're not listening. And I'd show that. And I'm like, don't do that. Do this. Or I'd say, well, instead of just saying walk in two lines, like, I would pretend to be a kid, and I would walk in line. I'd say, this is what it looks like when you walk in line. And this is what it looks like to sit at the desk. And, and to do your work. Like, and they can see, and then they copy, and they follow. And again, Jesus is like that. He's not, he's not just pretending or modeling. He's just being himself. He, he's being the son. But at the same time, he's modeling the way to, to be fully human and to live in this relationship with the Father. There's this great passage where Jesus models exactly what we've been talking about, and it's profound and powerful. In John 13, it says, this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. This is towards the end of Jesus' ministry. He's getting ready to go to the cross. And, and John's writing this, and he sort of sets this up with this one line, like that Jesus knows he has a generous Father. Jesus is completely secure as a son. It even says that the Father had put all things under his power. 
that he knew where he's going. This is security. Like, like what would you do if you had all power and this great sense of security and confidence in God? Like, how would you act? This is a crazy thing that from that place, it says Jesus got up from the meal, they're sitting around, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And the context of this story is that the, the Jesus was with his friends, and back then people wore sandals, and there wasn't proper roads, and there's dirt, and there's animal poo over the roads and everything, and people's feet are gross. And it, the job that nobody wants to do is wash people's feet. Because when you come to eat, you need someone to wash the feet. So the servant would do that. And for some reason at this meal, there's no servant. Or they're like stepped out or something. So everyone's just sitting around with like smelly, dirty feet. And you, I don't know, I just, you can just imagine what it might have been like. Like, is everyone kind of looking at each other being like, who's going to wash the feet? Like, like, who's the lowest rung? Like, like or who, 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 who hasn't been good? I don't know. Like, like who's going to do it? And nobody says anything. Nobody asks. But it says, from this place of confidence in the Father, Jesus goes forward, puts the towel around his waist, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He took the position that he has and he used it to serve in the humblest way, in some ways the lowest way for others. Instead of sitting back, I want someone to wash my feet, he goes and washes theirs. He humbles himself in this generous act. And then later on in this passage, it says this, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. He's like, I'm, I'm the Lord, the Lord of the universe, right? Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. And this is crazy, right? The Lord of the universe will wash the disciples' feet. The king will stoop down and wash feet, do the job of a servant. If, if we are under the king, like if he's the Lord, which means we're under him, then the only way to live is to copy and to follow and live in him. He's saying, that's what I want the world and my kingdom to be like. This is what it looks like. You follow my modeling, follow my example of love and generosity. Jesus is saying this, this confidence in the Father, therefore we use that to give generously to others. And as we come, we're going to take communion, and we realize that actually, he didn't just wash the disciples' feet. Then, then he picked up the cross, and, and he walked with the cross, and is crucified, and whipped, and beaten in our place, that we can be forgiven. People who are beating him, and he says, Father, forgive them. But that's what God's heart is like. And, and maybe we've experienced unanswered prayer, or maybe we've experienced times when we feel like maybe God's let us down, and maybe we've experienced this, we don't know what was happening there, but we know what his heart is like, because you look at the cross, and he's revealed it, that he is trustworthy, that he is good, that if he would give his only son, we can trust him with everything, that he is, he, that, that's what he is like, and he is worth giving everything to follow and trust him. So we're going to come and, and take communion. And the call is to follow this way, to live as in this confident relationship with the Father, confidence, having faith in Him, the generous Father, and reflect that to others. 
So as we come and, and respond, I invite you just to, to spend time with him and maybe bring some requests. Maybe pray. Maybe, maybe even, often our requests are about actually shaping us to be like that. We need him to shape our hearts in love, to give us his spirit, to help us follow him. That's actually ultimately what we need. And maybe it's spend some time in prayer, uh, spend some time just reflecting, and then we're going to sing and worship to finish. So let's, let's, let's stand together, and then let's pray to him. And then you can come forward. We've got the biscuit. We dip in the, in the juice, representing his body and blood. And if you brought an offering, you'd like to give. There's some offering bags there as well. Um, so let's, let's pray. Father, this is just such an amazing um, passage that you've, you've allowed to be written and recorded and, and, and heard today. And, and Jesus, your story and the way that you've lived is just so amazing. And, and God, would you give us grace to enter in deeper levels to its truth? Um, that this is actually who you are. You are actually Father. That this is not just a good idea or a nice thought or a nice talk, but is the truth about the universe and the central being of the universe. Father, would you raise our faith today to trust that and to live that and to know that? Um, Jesus, would you meet us because you're alive. As we take communion now, would you meet with us in our hearts by your Spirit? And would you give us grace to walk this way, to be people of generous, self-giving love, who don't need to self-protect, who don't need to control, who don't need to hide, but can give generously. And we just so desperately need your grace to do that. So, Father, shape us and grow us. And we just invite you to come and move, um, as you already have been, um, in our hearts tonight. Um, We just love you and thank you for who you are. And just shape us to be your people in the earth, we pray. Come forward when you when you're ready. Feel free to take your time. Come forward when you're ready.